Welcome to the Functional Nutrition Podcast. I'm your host, Aaron Holt. I'm a functional medicine nutritionist with a feisty attitude and over a decade of clinical experience. I work with women all over the world through my online programs, and I'm also the founder of the Functional Nutrition Academy, a 12-month practitioner mentorship where I help other nutrition pros level up with functional medicine methodologies. I've got a bone to pick with diet culture and the conventional healthcare model that are both systematically failing so many of us. Creating a new model is my life's work, and this is what the show's all about. Please keep in mind this podcast is created for educational purposes only and should never be used as a replacement for medical diagnosis or treatment. If you like what you hear today, I'd love for you to subscribe, leave a review in iTunes, share with a friend, and keep coming back for more. Thanks for joining me. Now let's dive deep. And we're back. So it's Aaron and Kyle here. I feel like a real podcaster when I did mm-hmm. that. Um, so I've got some big news. Yeah. Um, this morning, my husband realized that we had put our Berkey water filters in backwards. Oh. How have you waited until we're recording to tell me this? I am so impressed. I know. Um, My friend who had has a Berkey water filter was like, when I ordered one, she was like, oh my God, it tastes so good. You're going to love it. And I'm like, this chick is wacky because it just tastes like regular water to me. (laughs) Well, yeah, it is. It's because we've been housing regular (laughs) water for the past few weeks. Um, So we, I'm sipping, (laughs) sipping my very freshly properly prepared water you're um, like yeah i could taste the difference well worth mm-hmm. the money i was like something's wrong yeah it was <laughs> they were in backwards upside down <laughs> so good old youtube to the rescue telling us oh. how to actually do it as usual uh we also have another announcement and that is we're gonna start we're right now we release new episodes weekly and we're gonna switch to a bi-weekly schedule and that's for a number of different reasons but one, we got some feedback from folks who said that um, they didn't have time to listen to an hour episode every every week, and they felt like they were missing content. And of course, we don't want to we don't want that to be the case, especially because it takes a lot of time to produce this content. I know it's hard mm-hmm. to see the behind the scenes stuff, but there's a lot of a lot of man hours uh, behind this, and we don't want to get to a point where feeling burnt out either um we love this podcast and doing it and we want to continue to love it so um i think this is just going to be a little bit more sustainable on our parts and um you know we uh give ourselves permission to change our mind in the future if we want to go back to a weekly schedule absolutely and i mean we when this when we were talking about this we were like all right well how do we usually handle this you know because we each have a number of podcasts that we subscribe to and and sometimes it just feels like an overwhelming amount of content to catch up on if you you know like stop listening a few weeks it's the same with email lists once they start to like build up too much for me I don't ever there's never a day where I'm like you know what I'm gonna do I'm gonna go through all the all the things that have built up I delete it all and I unsubscribe and I don't want people to, you know, get overwhelmed by, 
you know, kind of getting behind with a weekly podcast. And it is l impossible for Erin and I to only talk for 30 minutes. So this was really the solution. Yeah. <laughs> we, we, we toyed with that, thinking that maybe we just cut the episodes down by half. But it's for what we want to do with this show, um, it's really hard. We don't want to be just another, you know throwing out sound bites at you guys and bullet points, we want to unpack some some heavy stuff like we're going to do today. So we need some time to be able to explore each episode so or each topic. And, um, you know, if you what you could always do is just break up the content, you know, like listen to half the show one week and then the next week listen to the other half the show if you find yourself to be in a in a time crunch but uh, the last thing we want to do is is contribute to everybody's information overload and have people uh, unsubscribe just because it's too much so I think yeah. it's going to work for everybody I think so too all right let's hear our listener question for the day okay um so they there's oh it's Jackie so Jackie wrote I love the podcast and here is my question. Even though I'm willing to spend more money to buy better food, I still work off of a budget. So here is my multi-part question. One, what are some of your buying tips to get healthy food without breaking the bank? Two, what foods do you make a priority on a budget and which foods do you sort of make do with? And C, or three, <laughs> I was like, this isn't going to end well. I knew it. You wrote ABC, and I really wanted it to say like it. one, two, three. Um, frozen vegetables are cheaper. I know they most likely aren't nutritious, but how bad are they, and can I still get away with them sometimes? Cool. So the first place I'm going to go is a mindset shift. And it doesn't sound like Jackie needs this, but I think it's still worth talking about. Um you won't spend money on food unless you value food, right? Well, like with anything, you won't spend money on it unless you value it. So Jackie's already there. She says she's willing to spend money on better food. So we're going to get to her specific questions in a bit. But first, it's important to look at the landscape of our food system. Even though the food industry is something we interact with every day, I don't think we pay attention to it. Now, Kyle and myself as nutritionists, we're interested in nutritional biochemistry, food science, functional medicine. That's what we study. That's what we practice. But as human beings who eat food, we're also interested in our food system, where our food comes from. As a society, we don't ever have to think about where our food comes from. It's just a given. We rarely have to think about how the food came to be on our plate or how it came to the grocery store. It's just there. It's always been there. And so it's something that we all collectively take for granted. We've lost our reverence for the deeply nourishing energy and resource that is food. And we've also lost our reverence for the earth, but I think that's a topic for another day. Um, so what we're doing here is challenging people to start thinking about where your food comes from. And it's sad to me that these ideas, these ideas are considered counterculture. It's sad that we've strayed so far from eating real food that to eat real food is now considered elitist, impossible, or even unnecessary. And we're even hearing health professionals echo this sentiment, which to me is very scary. It takes a lot of resources and manpower to grow food. Anyone who has a garden or raises chickens or has farmed land knows this. We, uh, at my house, we have 18 blueberry bushes, and after picking them for the first time, 
uh, when we first bought the house, I was like, okay, so I'm never going to complain about the cost of organic berries Mm -hmm. because it takes so much time, so much patience to nurture and then harvest food. And unless we're doing it ourselves, which most of us are not, we don't have to think about that. There's this huge disconnect between us and our food. Totally. I can honestly say my appreciation for food and my willingness to spend what I do on it came from working on a couple different farms. I worked for on a fruit and vegetable farm for a summer when I was 19. And then years later uh, at another organic vegetable farm <clears throat> throughout college with Erin where I would do some occasional farm work, but mostly I just worked their farmer's markets in Boston, Cambridge, and Franklin, where I'm from, selling the produce that they all worked so hard to grow. So I saw the growing and the selling side of things. And after both of those experiences, I had a much better appreciation for the cost of food at the market and just all the work and resources it took to get it there. I also learned that... I learned about the value of eating seasonally grown food. So just enjoying the seasons where a certain food is grown and then eating something else when it's no longer in season. So it's like what you said, Erin, about kind of we're all taking for granted the fact that food is available to us all the times and it's all in the store because that's just the way it is now. And for a lot of us, that's how it's always been. Well, just because it's available doesn't mean it should be or that you should buy it. Because when you buy food that's shipped in from far away, it needs to be picked far before it's ready so it's not rotten by the time it gets to us. Picking a food before it's ready drastically changes the nutrients in that food. So the nutrient quality is not the same, even if it looks fine on the outside. It also takes significantly more resources to get that food to us And it's going to be priced higher because of that. So you could essentially be spending more money on less nutritious food. When you at least try to only buy food grown within the U.S., it forces you to keep some variety in your diet by having to choose something else to buy sometimes. It also saves you a lot of cash. Every single year at Whole Foods, I see the same peppers flown in from Holland And I wonder how many people even notice where it's from or how much more expensive it is rather instead of something else that's grown in the States. Yeah, that's a really good point because I think people think of shopping at farmer's markets as like super duper expensive. But when you're buying direct from the the source, not only uh, is it so much more nutritious for you, so much more uh, sustainable for our land, but it's it's a lot less expensive than mm-hmm. than flying in things from all over the world. I actually, it just made me think of it. I read an article recently. It's not a recent article. I just happened to read it recently that said that apples in the grocery store are up to a year old. So they've been in storage wow. for almost a year. I know. That kind of like makes me look at, at apples in a, in a new light because yeah. a year is a long time. All right. So People have to grow our food. People have to harvest it. There's a lot of resources that go into it. And I'm not going to pretend to be a farmer in front like I know what I'm talking about here. Um, Kyle has definitely spent way more time with her hands on the soil than I have. But go back and listen to the Vernon Family Farm episode because they are two farmers and they can give you a little bit of insight into, you know, their their day-to-day existence. And I see how tirelessly they work just to get good food in the hands of people. And 
guys, they're not millionaires. You know, they're not they're not making the big bucks. So I read a meme a while ago that always that stuck in my head and it said, maybe we should stop asking why real food is so expensive and start asking why processed food is so cheap. Yes. Those memes are good for something. Sorry, mm-hmm. I'm, I, my computer just unplugged and I'm, there we go. All right. So um, memes doing the most. So in order for food to be inexpensive, if, if we're, we're saying food's too expensive and we need cheap food, you also have to ask, why is it so cheap? What's it made out of? Obviously, the raw ingredients are inexpensive. So why? What's the processing involved? How can it be so cheap? How are the people that are getting this food to my plate being treated and being paid? That's something that we just never think about. No. And a lot of these companies are fast food restaurants. They spend time thinking of ways to distract us from thinking about this kind of stuff by trying to, they try to make things seem like they're a better value or a better deal. They supersize things. They offer combo meals, value packs. They have a dollar menu. You got to stop and wonder how they can keep giving more and more away for such little money. How is it possible that they're able to have such a successful business if the food they're selling is so cheap? Where are their savings coming from? Yeah, and I'm sure people that are listening to this show aren't eating a lot of fast food, but most people in America are. So I think it's it it you know it's it's important to talk about fast food, especially when we're talking about cheap food. And the fast food industry hires around three and a half million people, so that's that's a lot of people. But they pay minimum wage to a higher percent of their employees than any under any other industry in the U.S. The only group that earns a lower hourly rate are farm workers. So we have to look at what is driving down the cost of food. Again, why is cheap food so cheap? And one of the reasons is that the people who are providing us with food are not making a decent living. Uh, Last year, a study put out by the CDC found that people working in agriculture, so this is going to include farmers, but also farm workers, ranchers, fishers, lumber harvesters, they take their lives at a higher rate than any other occupation. Um, Their suicide rate is nearly five times higher compared to the general population. And I'll link to that article in the show notes because it discusses the the farmer suicide crisis in the U.S., but it also discusses how it echoes a much larger farmer suicide crisis happening globally. So I know this is this is some dark stuff and probably not what you're expecting to hear. Um, and I know we're not answering Jackie's question directly yet, but honestly, this is this is why we started the show so we could talk about this kind of stuff. It's so we can shine light on things that we never hear about. I mean, anyone can really go Google how to eat real food on a budget and get some good ideas. But chances are, if someone writes into the show with a question, they want our thoughts. And what we're looking to do is to start to challenge the status quo. Like if things aren't working, we got to we gotta take a hard look at why they're not working. We want to flip the script and write a new narrative. We don't want to be just another talking head pumping out the same old story. Exactly. And we also want to talk about things that we're interested in. I personally don't want to listen to a podcast that just repeats information that I can go find on Pinterest. This is all about our funky spin on mainstream information because I believe it's 
it's that other perspective that can totally change how someone else thinks and lives their life. And that's the excitement that drives me for the podcast. So one more thing I thought of when you were talking about fast food is like, even though a lot of our listeners don't eat fast food, I think it's important to understand why fast food is so low, because that's often the thing that healthy food is compared to. It's because those prices that you can get fast food at are on the other end of the spectrum that I, I mean, and I think if you're going to go ahead and compare healthy food with fast food with things on a dollar menu, then you just need to understand the fast food side of things, whether you're eating it or not. Um, yeah. Okay. That's okay. a good point. Yeah. All right. So another thing to think about is what might be unnecessarily driving up the cost of food, and that's food waste. Um, and it can't be overlooked in this discussion when we're talking about the cost of food because 50% of all produce in the United States is thrown away. That's 50%. That's insane. That's insane. It makes me sick. It's $160 billion worth of produce every year. <laughs> I don't even I it's like you compute. Can't, yeah, exactly. Like uh, it's 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 insane. Um, so it's one third of all foodstuffs. So there's a you know, we're talking. We have an insane population, right? It's just growing rapidly, and one of the biggest issues is like, well, how do we feed all of these people? If we're throwing away a third of the food we produce, we're not doing a good job. Um, wasted food is the single biggest occupant of American landfills. So not only are we wasting resources, not only are we driving up the cost of our food, our grocery bill, but we're also polluting the earth with with this stuff. So it's just, it's a bad scene. Um, And so how that might translate to your grocery bill for an American family of four, the average value of discarded produce is $1,600 annually. So if we're paying for food that we're not eating, then yeah, it's expensive. Um, One thing I try to get people to do through my nutrition programs is to cook more and waste less because I personally don't have $1,600 to throw into a landfill every year. I don't know anyone who can afford to throw $1,600 away. No, I want that for... I want it. (laughs) For lattes. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know what I always think about this is totally off off tangent, but when we were when we were at college and like we're like charging five dollar lattes yeah. on our oh, credit yeah. card. Yeah. And smart food because hashtag healthy. I was like I was like, this is a good choice. You're like, you put don't it know up what a you're tab. talking about. Yeah. Put it, put it up it a tab. tab. I'll be paying that off for the next seventy years. <laughs> put it up a tab. Um, all right. Anyway. So a few ways that I personally reduce food waste, I always learn best when I hear like how other people are doing things. So here is what I implement in my house. So I'm not throwing things away. And, And in doing this, I'm driving down my personal grocery bill because I'm not spending money on things that are gonna be thrown out. Um, so I make something that I call landfill, landfill soup. So (laughs) super gross. Mm. Is (laughs) this up on your Pinterest? (laughs) You can find it on my blog. Um, (laughs) I keep wondering why I don't have any sponsorships. Yeah. No shares yet. (laughs) All right. So, but wait, what I do is I just take all the veggies that look like they're about to turn or they're like a little wilty. And I'm definitely not going to eat them raw in a salad or something. And I make them into a soup. 
I love blended soups. Um, about like maybe 15 years ago, I went to Ireland and they were like, bout it, bout it with the pureed soups and I haven't stopped eating them since. So I basically just saute or I roast a bunch of veggies and then I'll blend it up in my blender with with some broth and it's delicious. Um, or I'll make a curry. This is how I like to clean out the, the veggie drawer too. Um, I always try to keep a few jars of Thai kitchen red or green curry paste in my cupboard and some canned coconut milk as well. And you can find that stuff anywhere, the the Thai curry stuff, or excuse me, what's it called? The Thai kitchen stuff. Um, and so if I see veggies are on their way out, I'll just saute them up with that yummy sauce and then ser- serve it over rice or cauliflower rice or something like that. That's a really great idea. I always hate it when I forget to use something, like it's buried in the back and now it's about to turn bad. So this not only solves that problem, but actually sounds um, super easy and fast. Yes, fast. That um, especially that curry. It's like when it's a great thing if you don't know. I mean, you don't have to use like old veggies for it either. You could use you can <laughs> you use brands making new. Yeah, you don't have Gotta to wait, wait a few more days. <laughs> oh, those aren't ready for the curry yet. <laughs> Stick them in the back. Um, I also save all the butt ends of my veggies when I'm chopping. So instead of throwing them out and again contributing to that landfill matter. Um, I freeze them in a Ziploc bag. So this is like especially good to do with onions, um, celery, carrots, but I'll do it with with potatoes, sweet potatoes, butternut squash, all of it. Um, And so I put them in a Ziploc bag and then throw them in my freezer. And when I'm making a bone broth, I'll dump a bunch of veggies in. So it adds nutrition to the to the bone broth it adds some flavor or if you don't do bone broth you can actually just make a veggie stock this way I like to do it either in my instant pot or a slow cooker if you don't have one but you you can just throw a ton of frozen veggie butts in there and just let it simmer down (laughs) you just wanted to somehow say veggie butts in this episode (laughs) (laughs) you really did oh man that's a good idea yep Yep, you nailed it. And you strain everything at the end anyway. So truly, I mean, yeah. you, you've got nothing to lose. That's a that's an important step that I missed. You do strain it. <laughs> um, okay, so another way to reduce waste and therefore save monies um, is to meal plan. I don't meal plan personally just because it doesn't fit with my personality. Uh, it kind of stresses me out. And my schedule doesn't necessitate it. But I do encourage people to meal plan as a way to reduce waste. And I you know it drives down the stress for a lot of people. Um, if you plan out what you're going to make, then you only have to shop for the things that you'll make and you're not throwing out food. Yeah. You and I have always been opposites on this. Again, I think just because of schedules and personalities, but I only meal plan. And I, I feel like I have a method to my madness, which I will share. Um, so when I go to the farmer's market, I'm, I might bring a list if there's something that I know I want to make that next week and just need to find ingredients for. But otherwise, I just shop for what looks good and try to keep in mind what I'm going to do with it for the week. Then I go home and as I'm putting everything away, I'm, I make a list of everything that's already in my fridge and pantry and everything that I just bought. Then I go and sit down with that list and start thinking of what meals I can create from the list crossing stuff off as I use them. (laughs) Sometimes I can't cross off everything I have, but I do try and use up as much as possible. Um, Definitely anything that isn't going to last into the next week. So 
I'll use a list to come up with breakfast, lunch, snack, some rough dinner ideas. I mean, it's not down to the T. Um, and then once I have it all figured out for the week up until Friday lunch, then I go to the grocery store and I'm only getting what I need to fill in the blanks. So I realize how neurotic this sounds, but it actually only takes me a little bit of time and it makes food shopping a lot easier for me. This is how I try to save money and reduce waste. I go to the store with a list of what I need. I try not to stray from that. Of course, sometimes I am better at this than others since I'm human, but this is my typical approach. Oh, that's kind of interesting. I mean, I end up going to a few different stores anyway, so I kind of like that idea of bringing home the farmer's market produce, be like, all right, what do I have here? What's, you know, that's a way to shop in season too, and then... Yep take it from there that's when I flipped it and I and I came up with recipes I wanted to make instead I felt like I spent way more money for some reason so instead I just bought what I what looked good and then figured out what recipes I wanted to make from that oh that's a really good idea I wouldn't have I I wouldn't have uh, thought that so that's cool um so those are some money saving ideas right there all right so we're complaining about the cost of healthy eating, but I want I want to look at some some hard facts here. The US spends less on food than any other country. So this is a percentage of household income and it's 6% of household income for food eaten at home. So 6% of household household income is very that low. It doesn't even sound right. 6%? I know. Yeah, that's I mean, that's 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 small. And it's 11% when you're factoring in eating out of the house. So that means people are spending almost twice as much uh, of their money eating out. Um, maybe that's not true. Clearly, still, I'm not. As, we're talking about like um, like 12% max. Of yeah, it's spent not a on lot. Food. I'm not, clearly I'm not like a stats whiz. All right. We, um, so we're, we're, we all say this, that the cost of food is going up. But really, as a percentage of income, we're actually spending less than we used to on food. In 1984, the year I was born, the average U.S. household spent 16.8% of its annual post-tax income on food. And then by 2011, they spent only 11%. Um, So the U.S. devotes less of its income to food than any other country, half as much as households in France, and a quarter of those in India. So... Our, the percentage of income um, that we spend on food is going down, and we're spending way less money on food than other countries. It's basically what all that says. Okay, so if we're not spending as much as we think we are on food, what the heck are we spending all our money on? So we're actually spending less and less money on food and more money on clothes, electronics, homes, education. I'm not saying all of these things are bad. This is, again, just just the facts at hand. Um and I think starting to to wrap our heads around this idea might require a hard look at what we're spending our money on. And I started to do this after reading Diana Rogers. Uh, so Diana Rogers is an, a dietitian. She's out of Massachusetts, and she's also a farmer. Um, so I really like her perspective on things. Um, she does a lot with sustainability. And she wrote a book called Homegrown Paleo. Um, it's a cookbook, and she wrote it, I don't know, probably like four years ago now, three or four years ago. Anyway, within the book, it's has she has something called an anti-shopping list. And it's a bunch of questions that you can ask yourself before you sh- you, sh- you shop for anything. Um, and it really just makes you a more aware consumer, I guess. 
Um, so some of the questions that I came up with based off of that list is, do you have cable? Do you have an expensive car loan? Do you have iPhones, iPads, Kindles, sound systems in your house? Do you get manicures and pedicures? Do you get your hair colored at a salon? Do you own an expensive handbag? Do you like to shop for clothes? Are your kids outfitted in designer clothes? And I'm not sitting here finger wagging by any by any stretch because I do a lot of these things, but I'm just encouraging people to look at things through a new lens because these are all choices that we make. And if we make a choice, we can also make another choice, right? We can unchoose that. Um, we were recently critiqued by by someone who, ironically enough, um, is a health and wellness advocate. Um, and it w- the critique was saying that if people were to eat the way that we suggest, it would cost as much as their mortgage and that it's completely unreasonable to think that you can do so. Now, obviously, this is an exaggeration because Kyle and I are not like losing our house and homes because of the way that we eat. But... I think what is showcased here is the mentality, and it's this mentality that's the point that I'm really trying to make. It's how we prioritize things, right? We want the fancy house, but we don't want to spend money on something as sacred as food. So in my opinion, a a paradigm shift is required. This is, this is a cultural, a societal belief system that needs to kind of be turned on its head. There's a bigger picture to think about here, and it's not so much as... Like, how can I spend less on food? Because as we showcase, we're already spending less on food. But how can I arrange my life in order to invest more in myself? Um, and yeah. I would also take that a step further and say invest more in my planet. But I know what I'm saying is not is not popular belief. It's It's very counter to our culture, but it is something to think about. Absolutely. And it's it just bums me out so much to hear anyone who – you know, is in the the health and wellness field, kind of continue to spread this misinformation that eating real food and eating healthy um, costs as much as their mortgage. I mean, I just feel like it's just a weird comparison. And I don't like hearing somebody who is at the same time, you know, maybe selling other products that are couldn't be farther from a real food but then turn around and say to have the real food option would be would be the unreasonable part. So that's just, I think we just need to, these are just the messages that have to kind of stop. Agreed. Agreed. And that's why we're here, for better or for worse. All right. So the first step, as we mentioned, was is a mindset shift. So hopefully some of what we said can get you thinking about food in, in a new light. The second step for me is to cook more at home. I mean, I mentioned this earlier, but you'll save so much money doing this. We spend close to, um, well, I don't know. This is a stat that I had written down. I don't know if it's accurate. I don't even know where it came from. So just, just suffice it to say that you'll spend, you'll spend a lot less money, um, cooking at home than you will eating out at restaurants. Absolutely. This is easily one of the biggest ways I stick to my budget or at least, you know, get get a little closer to sticking to my budget. And it's also why you and I are so big on meal prep and batch cooking because cooking at home can actually take a heck of a lot less time than going out to a restaurant for a quick meal as long as you just plan ahead a little bit. 
what that's like that's what go is going to make it so much easier and it's going to make you able to throw things together really quickly on a weeknight so I know Erin you have an awesome batch cooking guide on your website that I really like um, so if anyone is looking for a little bit more guidance on meal prep batch cooking they can go and check that out um, I also feel like cooking at home allows you to get creative in your own kitchen and I notice a lot of times that when I go out, and I bet the same is true for you here, Erin, when I read a menu, I wish things were made differently. Yes. Like if, if I had it my way, I'd be one of those people that is constantly asking for things to be made differently. Can I, I sub this I am that, that person. Yep. I am can that I person. get this without that? But can I take that off of that and put it on this? Like, So I truly enjoy making things at home because clearly I'm a pain in the ass. And then I get to make them exactly how I want. I use the ingredients that I want. And it makes me enjoy things more instead of potentially spending my money on a meal than walking away thinking I could have made it better if I just made it my home at home. That is the pits. Um, yep. I always, and especially with salads, I feel that way. I'm like, yes. I will never order a salad out because. So true. Whenever we go somewhere and I'm like, I can't eat there. Scott's like, just get the salad. And that's like my dragon rage comes out. I was like, I don't want the salad. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. So eat eat at home more. And then the next tip is to cut out the fancy food extras. It's really about prioritizing where you allocate your food funds. I think there's, and I don't know, maybe we have a skewed view because we follow a lot of food bloggers on our social media, but there's so many like fun and like novelty foods that you could throw your money at, whether it's like an ashwagandha powder for your smoothies or, you know, some like the new superfood of the moment, right? Um, mm -hmm. You don't need these things in order to be healthy. You just need basic real food. These things can be fun, um, but they're, they're not necessary for a real food diet. So don't spend your money on packaged food. If you're if you're looking to budget, don't spend your money on packaged food. Spend your money on whole ingredients. Just eat real food, and knock off all those novelty foods. Um, when I when I'm talking about I, the things that come to mind for me are like the the gluten free specialty snack foods, right? Yes, yes. Uh, uh, speaking directly to me, I feel like the Siete chips are my kryptonite. And, uh, you know, even the occasional bag of granola, they're both like six or seven bucks and they're not cheap. So if I if I do buy something like that, number one, I probably finish it within like three days. And number two, three minutes, three minutes. And number two, I try to make it my only packaged snack food that I'm going to buy that that week and just eat real food the rest of the time. Oh, that's a good little the little trick, if you will. Yeah. Treat yourself a little. Treat yourself. Um, okay. The other one is the superfoods. I already mentioned that. It's uh, that's one of those words that just bothers me. Yeah. All all real food is super. Mm -hmm. I'm winking. I'm <laughs> winking into the mic. Um, some other foods that fall into this category would be. I'm trying to think here. Coconut butter. Oh my god, I, I love coconut butter. It's can like never ten bucks it. a jar. It's like can never afford it. The good stuff is is like almost fifteen dollars a jar. I don't understand. Am I paying just to be able to get the jar afterwards? Like I, I feel like I, and you can, this is one of the places that you can save. You go to the bulk section, you get unsweetened coconut flakes, bring it home, throw it in the food processor. Boom. There's your coconut butter. Yes. I have a recipe on my blog for cake batter, coconut butter, and it's so oh my. good. And I actually created that because Nikki's, um, Nikki's coconut yes. butter 
God, it's so good, but it's wicked expensive. I'm like, I bet I could make this. And with a little elbow grease, I could. I could do it for you go. for way cheaper. Um, other things. Those those raw cacao chocolate treats, like the Hail Marys, um, mm-hmm. so good, so expensive. You can make them at home. Uh, pr- even protein bars, right? Grass-fed oh, yeah. jerky. These are all awesome foods to have on the go, but they're expensive. Um, and I have to lump in fancy protein powders and all like the supplements as well, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, in, I like we're saying, we buy these foods from time to time and we love them and we eat them. So we're not knocking them, but just be smart about how you consume them. There's a time and there's a place for these more expensive novelty foods. They're not something you need to eat all the time. No matter what you see on Instagram, right? You don't have to eat these in order to have a real food diet. Um, they're great travel food, or if you have to pack up food with you, so you're not reaching for a less healthy option when you're out and about. But they're not foods you have to consume every single day. They're not foods that you need to be snacking on when you're at home watching TV. And I say that because that's what my husband does. I'm like, well, there goes twelve dollars right in your pile. Did you enjoy it? Did you enjoy it? I hope you did. Poor Scott. Um, um, but anyway, it's a it's a surefire way to drive up your food bill. Sometimes I do wanna I do wanna put this little note here that sometimes when we're making a pretty dramatic food shift, so I think about the folks that are coming to my nutrition program and like totally totally changing things up. These novelty foods can be great in the beginning because they can sort of replicate your old food, right? They can stay, do like a stand-in for your old food. If you're used to eating candy bars, then reaching for a fancy store-bought cacao treat is going to be a better bet. So they might be helpful as you make your transition, but they're by no means necessary or essential parts to a healthy whole food diet. Such a good point. Shortcuts like this can make things a lot easier, but they aren't really teaching you how to eat less processed food. They're just better options than what you were eating before which is still an enormous step for some people. And I think that's amazing. But I think if you've already taken it that far, what we're asking you to do is just take things a step further and see how you can now depend a little less on those convenience items. Right, because convenience foods come with a cost. You pay for that convenience, which is great for some folks who need it. It's nice to have as an option. But if you're looking to budget your food, you can't outsource as much of your food prep. Um all right, so those are some of the things that we can cut out. What things should you be prioritizing? Because that was one of Jackie's questions, like how do we prioritize our food? So these are some of our budgeting tips, but I have to post this disclaimer because we're all about being as transparent as possible. We're not like do as I say, not as I do type of type of people. Um, we don't, Kyle and I don't, don't really budget. Um, we don't stick to a certain... Um, at least I don't. Maybe I should let you speak for yourself. But I don't have like a set limit every week. I just go in and I buy. I shop for what I know that we're going to we're gonna eat. Um, and that's kind of always been the case. I always joke that I was a broke college kid shopping at Whole Foods because I just prioritized food. I have for a very long time. And I, I truly value the um, – the, I truly value real food. So I'm, I'm willing to throw some some coin at it. But um, we do, in the same breath, um, I do help my clients budget. So these are some some ideas from us, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I try to spend, uh, what is it, um, $130 a week on food. And that's for? That's for me. That's just me. And that's 
that's everything. And that's farmer's market and then the grocery store. And, you know, sometimes I, I do well sticking with that. And other times I blow that out of the water. And I'm like, oh, no. Um, <laughs> like too many CSA yeah, chips. Oh, no. So, but for a long time now, food's just been a high priority on my budget. And I am far from perfect with it. I'm living paycheck to paycheck. I am absolutely not debt free. I 100% get what it's like to have to worry about spending too much at the store and then not being able to afford gas after. I frequently am like, uh, put this much on this card and the rest on the I mean, like, it's hard sometimes. Um, and sometimes I'll see good deals on items that I normally buy. So even I, I end up getting them even though I didn't plan to or it's one of those trips when I'm out of, you know, one of the more expensive items and Stuff happens and it can totally throw you off your normal food budget for the week. But what I don't sacrifice is quality in order to stick to my budget. What I do sacrifice is social things like going out to eat or drink, going to exercise classes at 20 bucks a pop, paying for cable, shopping or doing a lot of the other things that Erin mentioned earlier that we tend to spend our money on instead of food. So it's just... I've made it a priority, which is why, you know, I, I, I don't go out that much. You know, I go out if it's free stuff. I go out, like, you know, for a walk. There's plenty of stuff that you can do socially that, you know, you're not spending money on, um, on things. And you can, you know, afford to get better quality food instead. Yeah, you know, that's something that brings up a, an interesting point. I, I've have said this quite a few few times I'm like we don't take that many vacations but we eat really well you know it's definitely it's definitely um there's choices that have to be made like we don't have we don't we have really basic cable we you know there's there are things that we don't have that maybe the average person does have um I don't I don't shop for clothes like I really don't um I would honestly rather spend my money on good food than like a bunch of clothes but I mean this is this this is an individual decision that's up to up to everybody to make but I think it's it's helpful to hear other people talk through it you know what I mean mm-hmm. all right so we do understand that people have to budget their food like Kyle was saying so we'll talk through how we prioritize it and the first place I'm going to start is with fats We did a whole episode on fats and oils and why consuming quality fat is so important. That's episode three. So go ahead and listen to that if you haven't yet. Um, That's that's one area that I think everybody should prioritize. Now, cooking oils are never something that I would buy at Whole Foods for my local friends. I would never buy them at Philbrick's. no, I wouldn't buy them at specialty stores because I can find them for so much cheaper elsewhere. So this is like coconut oil, olive oil, avocado oil. I can find amazing deals at Marshalls, TJ Maxx, Home Goods. Um, well, I'm, I don't. I shouldn't say Home Goods. I'm only saying that, Kyle, because you've said that before. But I, I know yeah, it's the same company. Okay. Um, but Market Basket again for my local people. They have great, great deals on on all that kind of stuff in ghee. So I'm not going to spend more money for something that I know I could get somewhere else for cheap, cheaper. Like that to me is ridiculous. And oftentimes, Whole Foods, I'll see something I can get at Market Basket for like four dollars cheaper. So I'm going to wait till I get to Market Basket. Um, I wish we had. We don't have. I mentioned Market Basket to my coworker, and she was just like, "What is that?" 
<laughs> and we have a, we have a market basket in downtown Asheville, and it is a store that sells like baskets. So it's <laughs> not it's the like same. a literal literal basket market. market. Basket. Yeah, not the same. Oh, that is funny. Um, <laughs> three up on that how many like people really need that many baskets that they have a whole market full of them it's not all baskets i actually love the store but you know for the joke it's all baskets got it damn it okay so we also talked about rendering fat on that episode that's basically free monies if you're gonna be cooking with animals you can just save the fat and use that for cooking fat so again if you're looking to save money chances are you're gonna have to put in a little bit more work like actual man manpower into your food okay so that's fats i also prioritize produce now i have to say this the cheapest way to get organic produce is to grow your own just try to grow something even if it's just growing herbs in a windowsill or a kitchen window Fresh herbs can pack in tons of micronutrients, so it's an awesome and inexpensive way to really up the the nutritive value of your food. And if you have kiddos, that sounds like a pretty fun project. I don't I don't do this, so I'm just like saying saying these ideas. But I'm like, <laughs> as I'm saying this, I'm like, I should be doing this. It's with very Hattie. easy, yeah. Um, I'd love to get somebody on the show to talk about like starting your own home garden, like gardening for dummies, because I have nowhere to no oh, no yeah, idea I where have to start. In mind for that. Okay. Excellent, excellent. Um, and then. We've talked about the the EWG, the Environmental Working Group, on the show before. The Dirty Dozen list and the Clean 15. I shop very religiously, according to this. Now, I shop mostly organic. I'd say probably 80 to 90% organic. Um, and that's because I'm, I'm like knee-deep in the research telling us what glyphosate is doing to us. So doing to our, our planet, the habitats of the things that live on our planet, but also specifically to our bodies and to our guts. So I really try to avoid it at all costs. But um, sometimes it's it's not you can't always find it or fi- find organic produce or if it's like way 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 more expensive i'll buy conventional but i always 100% of the time buy the dirty dozen uh d- dozen list i make sure i shop organic for that yeah. and um get the app for that it's yeah. so easy i look at it all the time for beauty products for food i mean truly that's like the best recommendation i can give to anyone and then I'm I'm willing to be flexible on the clean 15 list. Um, so that's, yeah. I mean, I feel like you can save, save your pennies there when you're thinking about buying organic or not. Now, Jackie asked specifically about frozen produce, and I'm actually a huge fan of pr- frozen produce mm-hmm. in terms of its nutrition. It's, it's an awesome idea because when, when they freeze produce, they freeze it like when at, at their, at its peak ripeness. I don't think I'm using the right words here, but but point being is that it retains its nutrients versus the apples that I talked about earlier. You know, those are in storage for a year. You think they're going to retain their nutrients? Nope. But uh, frozen produce is not only less ex- uh, less expensive, but it's actually can be more nutritious um, than stuff that's been sitting around for months or stuff that's shipped in from Holland. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Um, I personally always buy frozen organic berries. We I like always have like like five or six bags going in my freezer because we use them for smoothies and stuff um but we'll also just let them defrost on the counter and just eat them you know eat them not frozen but i they're so much cheaper to buy to buy organic berries they're so much cheaper to buy frozen um than than out of season you know what i mean 
after your like 18 bushes of blueberries that you've picked do you like say a little like silent grace each time you rip open that bag of berries well no they don't they like last I mean we stop they grow in July and then they're gone by September that's how many berries we eat wow and we don't really give many away like we're housing that my berries we're like pooping blue for for two months (laughs) um I also always buy frozen greens and cauliflower for my smoothies. Sometimes if it's like the peak of market and and it's actually cheaper there, then I'll stock up because you might as well. But a lot of times they're they're cheaper frozen and I'm going to end up freezing them anyways. So that's just, I do that out of convenience and out of cost. You put frozen greens in your smoothies? Oh yeah, I buy a bag of frozen um, kale frozen spinach and I mix those up and just put them in a Ziploc bag and just scoop scoop out a cup put that in the smoothie and then scoop out a cup of cauliflower and then a cup of fruit my brain is leaking out of my ears what do you do I didn't for your know greens? that it's all fresh 100 always oh. I didn't I've never even thought to put to put frozen I mean I've we've talked about putting frozen veggies in our smoothies before but I never thought greens yeah. I feel like that would be disgusting, but it's not, clearly. No, it's, it's yeah, not at all. It's, wow. It's good stuff. Yeah, well, you me... know what? So um, I tend to buy, and this is bad, this is something that I like really want to work on because of the plastic, but the, uh, I think it's Olivia's Organics yep. that come Guilty. in the big plastic tubs. Guilty. Well, we go through so many spinach, like we'll go, like the huge spinach, you know, like the huge yep. tub, we'll go through two of those, maybe three of those a week. Wow. Um, but if I'm buying frozen, we're at least reducing the plastic, like that hard plastic. Yeah. And that's, it's definitely, if you're using it for smoothies, it's definitely cheaper. I think I'm pretty sure it's definitely, I think cheaper. Well, I mean, (laughs) even like cost aside, if I can reduce that plastic. Yeah. I always have, I have like real guilt about that all the time because we go through a lot of them. Okay. So we're just working this stuff out on air. Yep. Yep. Okay, cool. All right. What's, what's next? Um, Oh, what, since we're talking about freezing, if you see produce on sale that you normally, because I know Whole Foods does a lot of produce sales. My 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 grocery stores don't tend to do that, but um, but if you see them on sale or like let's say the farmers market or you know something like that, there's good deals. Bring them home and freeze them because because that's a good way to I don't know get more for cheaper. Yep. Right? Agreed. Okay. okay. Stock up. And then manager specials, um, if you you can keep your eyes out on those because those that's stuff that's on their on its way out, but it hasn't gone bad yet. So you can get some really inexpensive produce for for less money that way too. That's a good point. And since we're talking about produce, I don't know if you've heard of there's a company called Imperfect Produce. And they started it because 20% of fruits and vegetables grown in the U.S. don't even make it off the farm because they aren't perfect enough to meet grocery store standards. No. Erin, it's like diet culture for produce. Oh, no. <laughs> I know. The hits just Anyways, keep on coming. So, so they source directly from farms and then deliver the food that's priced 30 to 50% less than what it would cost in the grocery store. And it's all to help reduce food waste. So the food's just as nutritious and healthy for you. It just might look a little different on the outside. Um, so hopefully there'll be more of these companies popping up in the future because I love this idea. And I think they're mostly on the West Coast right now. 
Oh, yeah, because I certainly – I didn't even hear about them, and I haven't seen them. But I, I can't imagine why that wouldn't be more of a thing. Like, hopefully that's a growing trend. Yep. Um, okay. Now, dry goods – uh, buying in bulk is a really good idea. Okay, so side note, the Pats. So we're recording on Sunday, and the, it's the playoffs, and the Pats just started playing, and I can hear Hattie and Scott screaming oh boy, downstairs. we got to wrap this up. So just – no, no, no. We, we're fine. It's just if you hear some some cheer, you know what it is. Okay, um, dry, dry goods. I have to shout out Thrive Market because this – I got my mom hooked on this, and then – I'll just like she has it down to a science every time I go to her house she has like a box shipped in so she just every week she goes on and just orders all of her dry goods that that she needs so Thrive Market I'm gonna put a link in the show notes and if you use that link you can get 20% off your first order maybe 25% off but you get a good chunk of change off your first order um it's kind of like Costco meets Whole Foods meets Amazon because you can order um all the like really hard to find stuff like there's a lot of stuff that because I don't have a Whole Foods by me so it's, there's a lot of stuff that I want to buy and brands that I can't access because they don't they don't sell by me locally but Thrive has all the stuff all the stuff and it's really affordable it's very very cheap when you compare it to the you know the grocery store prices and then they ship to you now it takes about a week for it to get to your house so just a heads up there you kind of have to plan in advance but if it's stuff you're ordering all the time like for me like dates and other dried fruit and organic nuts and seeds and all of the cooking oils that we talked about they even have supplements they have like they have everything so um i would look into that i highly recommend that um market basket we already talked about their their prices are awesome if you're local and then already mentioned marshall's tj maxx home goods whenever you're there if you're there for whatever reason go into their food section because this is where i stock up on all my coconut oil sea salt, some novelty foods like kale chips or like goji berries. They always have stuff like that, dark chocolate, and it's really good prices. So kind of like think outside the box maybe. Yeah. And of course, Amazon. Yeah. Amazon. I'm not it, like, I'm not sure that they have the best prices, but it's cheap, free shipping. I don't yeah, know. I don't, food, I don't, I don't think don't... I, I order weird. I order like cats and space calendars from Amazon, not so much food. Um, hang on for one. We have a, we have a small child in 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 the house. Um, all right. So to get you. The game is starting, Mom. Can you? I'll be right down. And can you go tell Daddy? This is real life, people. We are not equipped to edit anything. Um. Okay. So let's jump to protein. Protein next. Um. Because we also prioritize animal protein. Now, if you eat meat, you want to eat good meat, which means pastured chicken, pork, pastured and grass-fed beef and bison, eggs from pastured chickens, wild-caught fish. I strongly believe that properly sourced animals – yeah, I'm going to make chili tonight. Um, I strongly believe that properly sourced animals need to be a priority. Kyle, do you want to take over for a second so I can bring yeah. my child downstairs? Yeah, okay. no problem. So – Yes. So when people ask us how to stick to a budget, basically we we talk a lot about prioritizing certain things. And protein, absolutely one of those things that we think are worth the extra money. So like Erin said, the pastured chicken, pork, pastured and grass-fed beef and bison, eggs from pastured chicken, wild-caught fish, all of this stuff is what we think you can, you can cut out the superfoods and spend the money on the protein. Um, some other options are 
buying anything in bulk. So grains are oftentimes a lot more um, affordable this way. Same with dried beans. Yes. Yes. I'm back. Much cheaper than canned beans. Much cheaper than canned beans. I mean, definitely kind of comes back to like the you're paying for convenience, but yep. um, you save so much money by buying buying dried. And you don't have to worry about the BPA and the linings of the cans. You reduce waste that way. So I always get this stuff at health food stores, whole foods, co-ops. You can always find good um, good stuff in bulk, and I encourage people to to do that. But you can also buy in bulk with animals. You can <coughs> – excuse me <clears> – <throat> Gosh, this is a disaster. You can buy, they think this is real life. The wheels are coming off the train. Um, you can buy a half or a quarter of a cow or pig straight from a farmer. Um, not a lot of people know this, but you can you can do that. And it's you know it's a lot of money up front, but over over the long haul, you spend way less money. And it, I know it probably sounds crazy if you've never heard of this before, but. Um, it's great to, to feed a family and you could always split it with somebody else. Like you could go have Z's on it with, with like another family member or another person. Um, you obviously need access to freezer space when you do this. So you have a place to store it, but it's really the most affordable way to eat good quality, properly raised animals. Yeah. Joining a meat CSA, um, which is uh, community supported agriculture from a local farm is another great way to. Um, and something that you can split with another person or family, depending on the freezer space you have and how much meat you eat each week. You can also do the same thing with produce. So if you're ever curious about joining a CSA and you think, well, there's no way that I'm going to eat all the food, then just find somebody else to, to go in on it with you. And it's such a great option. Um, and it also has a nutritional bonus because you're getting more variety in your diet. Like yep. I think so many of us get stuck and I can, you know, this has certainly been me before, but we get stuck in like the chicken breast and then ground beef rotation because they're both easy to find and easy to cook. But when you buy a like a whole piece of an animal, then you're forced to use all the different cuts of the animal. And it's really how traditional cultures used to do it, right? Consuming the animals from top to tail. So I feel like we are always talking about yep. health coming back to traditional foods, which are the real superfoods like bone broth, which is the ultimate way to stretch an animal, right? You can either buy bones from your butcher or use the bones from whatever you're cooking, like recycle a leg of lamb or a roast chicken, just save the carcass. Once you've picked it over, make a stock. I I don't do it often, but I just made bone broth this morning. And what I do is I, like you said, I just save leftover chicken carcasses and any other bones I have, for example, from short ribs in a big Ziploc bag in the freezer. And when I have like two or three carcasses in there, then I use my Instant Pot to make the broth. I end up freezing most of it. And um, I also have silicone cupcake tins that you can freeze pucks of the bone broth in and just pop those out, put them in a freeze, put them in the freezer in a bag. And then you can just take them out and add them to directly to a skillet, a soup, or just put some, um, heat up to drink there's there's so many different ways that you can make a batch of bone broth go a really long way oh i love that idea of freezing them in little cups that's that's awesome um especially if you're not going to make a soup you're just using it for cooking right right well all of these ideas are not only more cost effective but 
it's also a much more sustainable and arguably ethical way to do it too because you're really using up the whole animal and you're not putting anything else to waste. So it's that that connection to the earth that I was talking about. Um, and I also have to mention organ meats here. I'm not going to go into detail because we already did a show on it, episode 11, but that is super cheap, super nutritious, something to think about. Um, let's keep going with some inexpensive inexpensive sort inexpensive sources <laughs> of protein um i have to start with eggs because they're my fave especially when you eat the yolk rather than tossing it out like we did back in the 90s um egg yolk is such a dense source of nutrition it's i say this all the time but it's like a little daily multivitamin yes and we already went over this as one of the foods that we would want to prioritize so I feel like if you're going through a ton of eggs and that's like your reason for saying you can't afford the pastured, organic, non-GMO ones, then try switching things up a bit and swapping some of those egg dishes out for something else so that you can afford the quality eggs a little bit easier. Focus on quality over quantity. Um, Agreed. Another cheap protein source is local fish. Um... I think we tend to get stuck in a box about the type of foods we eat. So the more popular types of fish like salmon, swordfish, tuna, like push yourself out of that box because to buy those sustainably, it's expensive. Um, If you're lucky like me and you've got local fish, you know, fish local to your area, then then try to eat that. Experiment with different things. You can just Google a recipe and try a new fish. We have um, a, a... co-op for not a co-op a uh, csa like a community um like like, (laughs) i just need to reset i can still hear my kids (laughs) screaming downstairs um a a seafood csa is what i was trying to say that's cool and so yeah and it's a bunch of fish that you're like what is this what is this i mean it's a lot of white fish because that's what what is around here but all you have to do is just hop on google find a cool recipe try it out it's like boom you get your variety you get some cheap protein you're eating close to home you're like checking off all the boxes um and it's affordable so another thing to do is when if you're buying fish in a store, when it goes on sale, stock up and freeze it. That's what I do a lot. Actually, the Market Basket by me has a pretty good uh, fish selection. And so they'll put some fish on for sale for like five ninety nine a pound, which is dirt cheap. So I just stock up. I have them wrap, them wrap them up in like one pound things and then stick them in my freezer. That's a good idea. Uh-huh. Uh, canned fish is another option. You guys know I love me some canned fish, sustainably caught salmon. It's like three or four, maybe five or six dollars a can, depending on where you're buying it. But I get it for three or four dollars a can. And you can stretch that into two meals. So that's affordable. Um, canned sardines, another cheap source of dense nutrients, like two bucks a can. I We started using this for Scott's lunch. So one thing, and this is just, we can kind of close out on this note, but... Um, one thing we noticed personally is that we were spending a ton of money because Scott would eat out breakfast, lunch, get coffee, get snacks. And it was it adds up really fast, like $5 here, 10 bucks there adds up quickly. And so we we started or we he started doing it, you know, just bringing stuff. And um, one thing or a few things that we always have on hand for him to like grab and go is avocado, hard cheeses canned fish whether it's sardines or some of the other stuff that we mentioned raw nuts 
hard-boiled eggs and fresh fruit fruit so if I have those in the house if I have those stocked then he will grab a bunch of things and like make his own breakfast make his own lunch and because he's not great with like making a meal ahead of time but if he has those things to, like grab and go we're, we're pretty good he actually even bought a pour over contraption for like 15 bucks on Amazon and he brings his own ground coffee and he makes his own coffee at work so like we're saving oh, like five God. bucks a day there yeah I love him yes That's so great isn't that a good idea so that's he's... such a good idea mm-hmm so that's that. Um, anything else to add? I can't think of anything else. Sorry it was such a S storm at the end there. Mom life. Hashtag mom life. Doing the most. <laughs> All right, you guys. So we will not catch you next week, but we will catch you the week after. Um, thank you, as always, for all your support. Thanks for tuning in. Catch us on Instagram, Aaron Holt Health and Root Down Nutrition. Cool. Bye. <laughs>